Okay, with Chip Hackler, uh, First Memory is the short film. It's one minute, part of the Under Five Minute Film Festival. He's from North Carolina. And it's really nicely executed, simple concept about someone's first memory as a child. And you see the glimpse of the first memory, very well shot, very well uh, produced. And you kind of see the metaphor and then he's in his therapist's office and the therapist is saying, you know, there's a symbolism to that first memory. So really a great idea, Chip. Uh, is this your first memory? Yes. So um, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a springboard. It's a semi-autobiographically made, you know, so um, I, don't, I don't even remember writing the script. Like a, a couple of years ago, I was looking for the, a project to make and I started digging around in my script folder and, and I was looking for something simple. And because um, of COVID, because of the pandemic, mm -hmm. I was actually trying to find a really simple film to make. And um, it was before vaccines came out and, and all that. And I found this script and I wrote it in like 2018. Just, I just, I guess I tossed it off one day without thinking much about it. And I, I found this and I thought, you yeah, know, maybe this is makeable. Um, but yeah, it's loosely based on a first memory. Well, it be, you said it's a simple idea, but you got six actors in one minute. You got a child actor. You got a little bit of a stunt with the car. Yeah. And you got to basically recreate that situation. This doesn't look like a simple film. You're exactly right. I mean, you know, I, I always sort of trick myself when I set out to make something that I'm that it's very doable and those kinds of things. And I end up for some reason I end up making period films, child actors. I haven't done a lot with the animals, but I, you know, all the things you're not supposed to do, I, I tend to do that. It seems like. So this is kind of like a seed of like your first memory. Cause I think this is like a, a great idea for kind of like a, almost like a series, because I think that all our first, cause you made me think about mine. Right. So it's like all our first memories, there is a symbolism to them, I guess. Matthew, I love that you said that and that you picked up on that because that was actually my idea. I was thinking I was going to throw this out to other filmmakers and say, just make your first memory, you know, keep it as simple as you want or make it as complicated as you want, but you could do it documentary style. You could do it experimental. You could do animated, you know, it's, it's wide open. And that, that I've actually had the, the same thought about that and um, like a collection and let filmmakers just have at it. You know what? So. I think that's a terrific idea. Uh, I, let me ponder that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, I mean, cause I, that, that really was the, the broader idea rather than just making my own, but seeing if other people wanted to make theirs. Okay, so you so you wrote it and uh, you don't you wrote it, but you don't remember writing it in 2018. Two years <laughs> later, it's the pandemic. You want to make a film, uh, so what's the what's the process to make this? Like I said, it's a pretty ambitious one minute film. So what's the process for you? What's the next step for you? Like getting so, the cast together? Like go ahead. Yeah, I mean my my process is that when I write something, I, so I've been making short films for about 30 years on, you know, it may not, it may not show necessarily, but I, I have been doing that, but, and I've been doing other things as well, but, um, you know, my process is basically I'll write something and then I'll, I'll send it out to a few people that where I trust their opinion of whether they think it's kind of worth pursuing or not. And so I'll send it, I'll send the script out to a few people that, you know, and, um, if, if I get, a, if I get positive feedback from those sources, um, then I, I tend to sort of take that as a little bit of a green light. And then I'll move forward and then I'd have to think about, you know, how much money do I need and those kinds of things. Yeah. But you mentioned casting. Casting has gotten more and more important to me every time I make a film. And so that's definitely one of the critical first steps for me. It's like, who can I get to be in this that's going to bring it to life? So then the question for you is that is that you have, like I said, you have six actors. You have the mom, right? 
Yeah. You have the child actor, then you have the adult version of the child actor, you have the therapist, and then you yeah. have the two reaction shots of uh of the people kind of uh observing the mom not knowing how to drive. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean she she knows how to drive, the car's just stuck. I'm totally <laughs> kidding. Yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> so that's a oh, that's a lot of it's funny you cast. mentioned that. What's that? That's a big cast. It's funny you mentioned that because I, I just remembered it when you said that. I, I made this short film about Frank Capra, the director Frank Capra, and yeah. it was it was it's it's thirty five minutes long and it was shot on film. So okay. and it was and it's set in nineteen thirty five. So it was there was a complicated production for a short film. The only reason I mentioned it is I'm just when you said that I realized that Frank Capra's wife in the film, her name is Lucille Capra. There's the actress had to drive a 1930s car stick shift and had never done that before. And so we had the day we were going to film her driving the car. We had to go out and sort of get her, give her some practice. And so it's just funny that I've done that twice now with, um, with, a, a, you know, a woman driving a car yeah. and having to drive a stick shift. Yeah. Well, cause it's like, I don't know how to drive a stick stick shift. I, yeah. I don't think I can learn in a day. It's yeah. much less do it in a film. So I feel not, bad. Not to mention, I mean, these cars, the, the owners of these cars, you know, they care about these cars. Of One course. of them was a, one of them is a 1930s. The one in the you're the one for this film is a 1960s car. But still, you know, when people own cars like this, they care about you know taking care of them. And of course, the one thing you notice too is that this is in the 60s that the 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 son the boy is not in a car seat of any kind. <laughs> that was that's actually in the script. In the script, I said he's rolling around in the back seat like a football. Yeah. Um, so that that was just my idea. My memory of kind of that that time period was where you no, know, there were no car seats. That were, you were lucky if you had a seatbelt on. Period. You know, you're just kind of rolling around back there, hoping for the best. And this is so. This like this is this. I guess kind of happened to you in a sense. Where like, yeah. So the actual memory is stuck in a ditch, and I think we were in our driveway. We we where we lived at the time, it was like a dirt driveway, and there was a ditch on both sides of the driveway. And I, my my memory is that my mom was probably stuck in the ditch, and I was in the back seat, and I was just confused. Like I didn't really understand what was happening. Um, it wasn't scary, but it's but I've, I've I've puzzled over the fact like why is that my first memory? Like why did I sort of come into consciousness at that moment? And that's what's intriguing about first memories. And I think if, if other people tackled this, it would be interesting because like, why did you sort of just become aware of the world at that moment? And um, you've been, I did a little research on this and first memories usually happen somewhere between age two and age five. There's a wide, wide gap of mm -hmm. when this happens or what, you know, what people perceive as their first memory. Um, and so it's intriguing, you know, why, and, and the other thing that doesn't make sense to me is like if I was in the backseat of a car, I would not have seen the tire spinning, you know, no. like, so how did I even, how did I even have a concept of what was happening? Like, you know, when you're two, you don't even really know what a car is. Um, so it was, that was, it was intriguing, but I just felt like, you know, it was, it was a springboard for, to, to play with. It's interesting that you said that because it's, you're, we're all making our own films, right? So later yeah. on, we, we, we know what the image of a spinning tire is. So we're going to take that memory, put it to the old memory and make that film, I guess. Right. And I loosely remember, I vaguely remember that some stranger was just kind of watching us. And so that's why that, that's the main reason there's a character who was just kind of observing. He's not helping. He's just, he's just yeah. watching, I guess. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and it's a great location too. Where did you shoot it? Oh, I shot it. It's not far from my home. I, I tried to find a place that looked like my childhood home. So I actually, I tried to be as close to the period details as I could. So I did, I found a home that looked kind of like my childhood home. We got a car that was similar to the car we had and things like that. But I, I wasn't making a documentary, so I didn't go crazy about those those things. And did you rented the car? Yes, it was like it's a one-day thing. We originally, 
um, I think we were going to have a 57 Chevy, which actually wasn't my first choice, but that was what was available. So we were supposed to get a 57 Chevy and then it broke down. So this was actually kind of a backup, but I actually like this car better because I think it has more personality. So for people who don't like, what's the the general kind of filmmaking scene in North Carolina? Is there is there a scene like it seems like you got a pretty talented cast and crew? It's really good, and it's there's a we have a connection with Toronto in, in a strange way. I don't know if you're aware of that, but so in 1983, the I don't I don't mean to make this too long of a story, but the Italian producer at Dino De Laurentiis. He made he made two hundred movies in his career, and he and the, he got the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Oscars. But he, for whatever reason, he came to Wilmington, North Carolina, to make a film called Firestarter. With it was a Stephen King movie with the, Drew, Barrymore. Drew Barrymore, right? Yeah, yeah. And they they found a location that they liked in this area, and Frank Capra Jr. was the producer. They came here, they made they made that film, and they liked it. And then Dino said, "I'm just going to make a studio there." Because I, I like making films there, and so he made a student, and that was right when I was graduating from college. Right when that happened, and so I kind of got in on the ground floor of that, and and I, I worked my way up, and I became a camera operator, and um, and then I went back to school. I got more interested in, in instead of just being crew and, and and working as an operator on, you know, being hired, just making my own things, whether they're commercial or not. I just wanted wanted to make my own films. Um, but anyway, the, the Toronto's connection was that a lot of the crew, early crew, came down. Dino had hired a gaffer from Canada, a production manager from Canada. I'm not sure what the Dino connection was with Canada, but there were a lot of Canadians on those early crews, and some of them ended up moving here. Probably, well, probably because they were they were Canada was doing their own kind of uh, production service, and they had it. They they were they had established crew members that yep. that they needed, and they were basically. There was like it was like there's only so many amount of films going on in Canada, so people were probably out of jobs, and they're like, let's go up to Toronto and then pluck some some people that we need to to build a studio. I don't know if you're are you involved in the industry? Yeah, I mean, well, I yeah, for a long yeah. time I was. I guess I yeah. still am in my own way now. Yeah, I'm the film festival. Right. So you might know some of the names, like I don't know John Eckert. John, he was the first production manager. John Eckert. That's what I'm saying. It sounds familiar. Name. Yeah. And then uh, John Ferguson, J Fergie, he, he's been a gap. He and uh, Jock Brandis, his, they're both like lighting and gaffer guys. Gotcha. They, they've moved here and have been here for 30 years now or 40 years. Because yeah. that's what you need. Like, so if a studio wants to go to North Carolina, for example, do a TV show, that's fine and dandy because there's tax breaks, whatever, but they need a crew. Right. We're not, we're not talking about a director and a DP. We're talking about like electricians yeah. and sound people and in the transportation and hair and makeup like you need a crew right and they didn't, the they, didn't nine, they didn't know what they're doing the whole nine yards and, and the dino actually got to a point where we were making four feature films at one like at a time there was that there was that much crew so the studio could sustain as many as four feature films and then tv series and the whole the, the last big one that we did like really big one was was iron man three iron man three films oh, they, used he, all 10, they used all 10 sound stages <laughs> oh, well, because he because there's that that moment where he kind of like lands, I guess, in in the middle of nowhere. Cape Fear River, and, and, yeah. I mean, a lot of it was studio stuff, well, yeah. you know. But so then they can make it whatever they want. Gotcha. No, I'm just I just remember that location, like it kind of had that kind of uh, kind of southern kind of America kind of vibe to it. So North Carolina, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So it's all, but it's all about the tax breaks, right? These days it's like right. uh, Georgia is like, kind of like, like jumping up, like on the third, like becoming like the third studio in the world. Right. Yeah. I remember even in the mid nineties, we were getting a lot of TV movies. There was always, there was always talk of there's a lot of projects are going to Canada, you know, going, going, you know, leaving Hollywood or whatever you yeah. want to call it. But 
or maybe they originated it there. still is there yeah but that was always that we were sort of like i don't know if you'd call it competing i guess we were competing but was, you know hollywood was looking for places to make films and sometimes they go to canada sometimes they come to wilmington you know sometimes they yeah. go to georgia louisiana and everywhere else so that's that's cool so you've been in the industry for a long time then yeah so what is your kind of quote-unquote like uh, day job like what is your I, my day job now which is actually so i was in the film industry for about 30 years but then it overlapped I, I got offered a chance to teach at the university here we have a film program and so i've been doing that for a number of years now and that's really my gig now is teaching and and but that allows me to make short film you know the films that i that i want to make yeah this is a great like this is one of the better like i see lots of one minute films so one of the better ones i've ever seen like it's in terms of like the story structure the pace the, the obviously the production value like you obviously know what you're doing so have you have you ever done a feature film? Have you ever directed a feature I, film? The, the closest thing, um, if you're interested, I'll send you a link to the Capra film. It's it, I, it should have been a feature for the amount of trouble that I put into it. Yeah, 30, you said 35 it, minutes, right? Yeah, and it's it shot on 16 millimeter film, and it and it looks the same um, cinematographer that shot this one. So a lot of you know same same crew. I mean, just I don't mean to sound like I'm dropping names, but the, like this short little one minute film. It was students were worked on it. So it was a combination of student crew and some of them had never been on a film before. And I had a, a key grip that was on Braveheart and Legends of the Fall. That's a great, that's amazing. <laughs> so that gives you know, that kind of combination is interesting. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of context, like a lot of like diversity, I guess, right? Yeah, a lot of stories being told. Yeah, well, did you shoot it? Like, I guess I'm assuming you shot it in two days, the, like two different locations. So that was a little bit more complicated. So what I went, I was a little wishy-washy about the script. So I had this one page script and then I thought, you know, is this worth, is it worth going to the trouble to shoot this? Because it's, you know, it's going to take a lot of trouble. Like you said, six actors, there were actually two child actors, their brothers, and one of them got cut out of the final. There's supposed to be a kid in the front seat, but I, but through the process of editing and stuff, I decided to remove that character. But anyway, there's two brothers. Um, they came up from Charleston. Their mom brought them up from Charleston. So there were, we had two actors from out of town. Um, and then, um, like you mentioned, so it's six or seven actors. Um, but the, what happened was, um, I, I, I thought maybe the memory would work by itself, that the kid was in the backseat having this kind of experience and the grownups are frustrated trying to get out of the ditch. And maybe he's, you know, I was, I was interested with the idea of maybe he's actually even enjoying this. Like it's a little roller coaster ride or something. And so I tried to film it with that option in mind, um, and then, so we, we filmed just that day, just the car scene, and we edited that. And this was in the height of the pandemic. I mean, people weren't, I don't even think people were even vaccinated yet. So we were, even though we're filming outside, people were wearing masks yeah. to film outside. And you know, people were nervous about getting close to each other and those kinds of things. Um, and then we edited that. And then I went back to the script and I thought, you know, I think it really needs that second piece. And the original script had the counselor scene. But a friend of mine who's a, a, a teaches film is, a, you know, you know, good filmmaker, he thought that maybe it would work by itself without the counseling scene. Um, and so after I edited that first scene, I thought, you know, I think it, I think it needs the counseling scene. So it was actually a year later. We went back and filmed the counseling bit. Oh, gotcha. You're okay. Gotcha. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how it works though, right? I know. I mean, and the other thing we, I edited a five minute version of this and, and it's different, obviously going to be different than the one minute version, but then I actually got wind that there are festivals out there that sort of like the micro film. Yeah. And I kept tinkering with this. And what really happened was I decided to cut a trailer for the five minute film. 
And when I cut a trailer for the five minute film, I was like, you know, this is really the essence of the story. But if I tell the story in one minute, I think it actually works better. So that's where we ended up. That's all. It's funny how that works. It's yeah, because the film's doing well. I guess you. I'm assuming it's getting into every festival you submit to. It's doing. It is doing well. I mean, it's such a hit or miss thing. I mean, with um, acceptances and awards and rejections and those. Sometimes you get accepted where you don't expect, and, and vice versa. But it's the the short one is doing is doing well. So we send you the audience from the audience feedback video. What did you think about what the audience had to say? I, I loved it because I felt like they got it. I mean, they, the things they said, just I appreciated because, you know, when you put that much work into something, you hope people are going to get it. Yeah. And I felt like that's what I felt like. So that, that was gratifying. Yeah. They, well, they 100%. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty, it's a, like I said, it's a pretty great film. So obviously the, the feedback video is 10 times longer than the film itself, which I love. Right. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's a good ratio. <laughs> that's amazing. So uh, I love to see the five minute version. If you have, one. I just was curious. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. I'll tell you honestly what I think happened with the five minute version is I was trying to expand the material in editing and trying to find little moments that weren't really written. Yeah, and kind of kind of create something that wasn't really maybe the original intention. But um, and I'm reasonably happy with that version of it. But then when I when I then when I pulled it back and kind of crunched it back down to the one minute, I felt like that's. That's the essence of it, right? That's there. the that's the good analogy too. Like people, a lot of film, like you teach you teach filmmaking. That's a good, that's a good lesson for filmmaking, right? Because everybody try. I, I see get so many submissions where it's like, oh my god, the film's too long. It's like if you just went in there, there's an amazing film in here. You just you just it's you're repeating story beats. You're just adding things that don't need to be there. It's like yeah, yeah. You've got you got to get past that part where everything's precious just because it was hard to attain it. Yeah, it's, it's you have to remove yourself emotionally from the shoot itself, right? Yeah, right. I mean, I, one thing I say is like you could climb to the top of Mount Everest and get a, sh a shot, but if that shot doesn't work for your movie, it doesn't matter. The audience doesn't care how hard it was to get the shot. It's about integrity for this. Like, I'm sounding like a cliche guy, but it's like integrity for yeah. the story. You got to serve the story. It yeah. makes yeah. make sure that the story gets served. It's not about your own your own ego, right? Exactly. Exactly. And it's, that's, you know, it's an ongoing challenge. I think that's always going to be a challenge for people to, and myself included, to, to be, to try to be objective about those things. Yeah. Well, I'm very happy. We're very excited to show your film at our festival. I think it's, like I said, it's like one of my favorites of the year because it's, it's poignant. And it's so simple in its concept, but it's not, there's, there's, there's layers of, uh, of interesting, uh, it also gets the audience when they walk away from it, they're like, what was my first memory? And it makes us think about, our own lives as well, right? So, I appreciate that feedback. I really do, and um, I was just very you know, glad to the reception that it that it got at your festival. I really appreciate that. All right, let's talk again when you make your next film. I really, I'm looking forward to seeing what you do because I, I love this film so much. I want to see what else you got. Thanks, thanks, Matthew. I appreciate it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Shlemiel, Shlemazel, Hasenbeck Incorporated.